This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Jerry Agar in for John Moore, The Breakfast Wrap for February 7th. Rain throughout the morning and ending this afternoon. A chance of showers or drizzle this afternoon, but a high of plus five. And then tomorrow, a mix of sun and cloud clearing early in the afternoon with a high of plus three. The five things you need to know, the premiers and prime minister meet today over health care funding. Protesters demanding more shelter supports ahead of Toronto City Council meeting. The search for survivors continues in Syria and Turkey. Maybe those trees outside Osgood Hall aren't so old after all. And New York City hands recent refugees bus tickets to Canada. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good to have you along. I'm Jerry Agar in for John Moore this week. Still doesn't have his luggage from what I understand. I'm not I'm not calling him. I'm not bothering him on vacation. It's just I follow him on Twitter and apparently had to go shopping. It's just the most frustrating thing when the airline loses your luggage and you're off on vacation. I mean, it's one thing if they lose it when you come home. Because, you know, you've got pants and underwear or whatever at home. Um, and you can deal with it till they find it or pay you off or whatever is supposed to happen. But when you go on vacation, I'm sorry that's happening to him. And I'm sure he'll have something to say about it. <laughs> because he's understandably not happy based on his tweets um, when he gets back, which will be Monday. So yesterday, just, you know, for grins and giggles, I, I decided to start the show with a joke. Nick, do you want to hear another joke this morning? I think I have the rim shot ready to go. Uh, okay. Um, okay, so this one is, again, a guy walks into a bar, and he has a box, and he puts it on the bar, and he says to the bartender, if I show you something really amazing, can I have free drinks all night long? And the bartender says, okay, but, I mean, it's going to have to be amazing. So the guy opens up the box, and there's a little guy in there about a foot tall, and, and he's playing the piano. And the bartender goes, all right, that's amazing. And you get free drinks. And then the bartender says, how'd you come buy something like this? Well, there's a genie out behind the bar giving away drinks or giving away uh, wishes, giving away wishes. And, uh, and the bartender immediately runs outside, goes out the back. It's quiet for a moment. And then there's an enormous commotion. And the bartender bursts through the back door. A couple of ducks come in with him, and uh, he closes the door. You can hear the commotion and the quacking and everything outside. And the bartender comes over, and he says, I think, I think that genie is deaf. I asked for a million bucks, and he gave me a million ducks. And the customer says, well, of course he's deaf. Do you think I asked for a 12-inch pianist? <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Oh, he was a musician. <laughs> Does that remind you, the, the little guy playing the piano of that Mary uh, uh, Melodies cartoon with the guy who had the singing frog? Do you remember that one? Hello, my baby. Yeah, Hello, yeah. my darling. Yeah. But, but the frog wouldn't sing when there was anybody else around. So it was almost not worth it having a, <laughs> having a singing frog. So I think the consequential thing that's happening in the political world today is a meeting of the premiers of the country with the prime minister. And uh, in fact, Thomas Mulcair, um, Thomas, let's start with this, Nick. Thomas Mulcair yesterday was on this show and he talked about, um, are we okay with that? I crossed you up, Nick, Um, that um, 
how important he thinks it is. This is probably the most important political meeting in decades it, that's going to take place tomorrow. Trudeau's in a, an interesting position. Everybody knows that he's close to his best before date. He's in his eighth year now. That's something that Poitiev reminds everybody of every time he speaks into a microphone. And he is getting a bit long in the tooth. And so he knows that if he's going to go to another election, it better be sooner rather than later. And one of the things that he had to do if he's going to be able to have that election is get the health issue off the table. So he's going to be ponying up tons of cash, much to the chagrin of Christian Freeland, who's trying to put a budget together right now. And he's going to be, you know, meeting their demands. Now, is he going to, I think he's going to probably be smart and ramp it up over a few years to try to make it more difficult for the, uh, an incoming government to break that deal. But he's definitely going to put a lot of cash on the table. All right. That that was yesterday. Thomas Mulcair talking to us here on Moore in the Morning. And now we have this report on that premier's meeting with the prime minister from Glenn McGregor of CTV. A succession of premiers arrived in Ottawa. At number one priority for our government. All awaiting the offer. We're looking at a long-term sustainable funding model um, for generations to come. With health care systems in crisis, the premiers want the prime minister to pledge major increases. We will be there putting more money on the table. Uh, but it's also important to make sure that the focus is on results and outcomes. In tomorrow's meeting, Justin Trudeau was expected to propose 10 years of increases to the Canada health transfer Ottawa sends to every province each year and separate deals with each province for additional funding targeted to their specific needs. A key concern for Atlantic Canada with an aging population. That's a massive difference in demographics and one that definitely impacts the delivery of health care and, frankly, the cost of health care. Among the list of federal priorities, primary care, with many patients like Frank McNeil scrambling to find basic treatment. So now I'm trying to find a walk-in clinic for a simple ear infection, and it seems like they're either closed or the wait times are insane. In return for the money, the federal government wants data, clear metrics that show it's spent on treating patients. But from Quebec, a jurisdictional concern. We don't need the federal government to tell us how to invest the money. To some premiers, though, it's the size of the check that matters. To bump up the 22% of Canada's total health care costs, they say Ottawa currently covers. For the federal government to I, you know, participate uh, to the full full degree, the 35 percent of our of our health care, our health care system. Meeting that target would add about 28 billion dollars to a federal budget already in deep deficit. We recognize that there do need to be investments in our health care system. There's little expectation the first ministers will finalize a deal tomorrow, but they'll have to move quickly if any new health money is included in the federal budget coming this spring. Well, they said tomorrow because that was actually a CTV report that ran on the news last night. But uh, those meetings uh, begin to take place today and uh, we'll be following it all day long here on News Talk 1010. I'm Jerry Agar in for John Moore, who is on vacation. By the way, there's a there's a great column in the Toronto Sun this morning from Joe Warmington, and he calls it a home alone story. That is a, a local story. This was a 13-year-old young lad who was at home alone for about an hour on Saturday. This was in the area of York Mills and Don Mills. Um, dad was running errands. Mom took the sister to ballet lessons. And so here was the 13-year-old young lad at home by himself. And suddenly there's somebody at the door. And he went to the door and opened the door, and a man and a woman just walked right in, uninvited, and had a screwdriver in his hand, never put his cigarette out, 
They just came in. They actually told the son, the, the young lad in this family, that mom had sent them over to get the television. Come and take the television. Thing is, they didn't know mom's name. <laughs> to name wrong. And so, and then one of them, the man, asked for a glass of water. They were just acting like they belonged there. And here's the cool thing about the Home Alone aspect of this story that Joe Warmington reports in The Sun. The kid said, okay, I'll get you a glass of water. And he got a glass, nice clean glass, and he put water in it, and he held it by the bottom, and he handed it to the guy. And now the police have fingerprints of the guy who broke in. And then the kid said, uh, well, my, uh, my parents are just downstairs. Why don't I get them? And they laughed. Now, this could have gone really, really badly, but clever young guy. Good for him. Hey, just after six, Brian Lilly's going to join me. His column in the Toronto Sun says that the lawyers and a counselor regarding the trees at Osgood that Metrolinx wants to kick down, they're lying to you. Not Metrolinx, the lawyers and the counselor lying to you. Brian Lilly's going to join me, but we'll take some of that up coming up. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. I'm Jerry Agar in for John Moore, who's on vacation for the week. He'll be back with you on Monday. Looks like we will hit a high today in the neighborhood of plus five. We have some chance of showers and drizzle, and that takes the fun out of the plus five, I think. I mean, it's not like I want it to be, you know, minus 20 again or whatever it was. Yeah, but it'll melt most of the snow. Yeah, but when the sun comes out and it's plus five after we've been through some really cold weather and the snow is really melting quickly, don't, don't you think that's exciting? But the snow will melt just as much with the rain, Jerry. Well, so that was a no. You don't think it's exciting? <laughs> okay, well, I do. I, for one, welcome the sun when it decides to come back because it's been a while, I think. It's been cloudy and... Just uh, not all that pleasant, in my view. Anyway, uh, it'll do what it's going to do. As Mark Twain so famously said, everybody complains about the weather, but nobody does anything about it. That's the problem. Okay, so apparently uh, a minister in Quebec was shocked, shocked, I tell you, to find out that New York City is sending refugees to Canada. They've gotten a little more aggressive about it in New York. They're now facilitating it. Here's how CTV News from Montreal reports. News that the city of New York is providing free bus tickets to migrants heading north to claim asylum in Canada highlights an urgent need to address the situation at the border, according to Quebec's immigration minister, Christine Frechette said she calls this report surprising. She said Ottawa needs to solve the problem of Roxham Road, which is an unofficial border crossing south of Montreal used by tens of thousands of people last year to claim asylum. It's, uh, it's ridiculous on its face, of course, because they don't need asylum. They're already in the United States. But here's the thing. Here's my idea. In fact, I'm, I'm willing to hear from you on this. At 416-872-1010, and toll-free 877-518-5151. You can text me at 71010. I have an idea. And here it is. New York is upset because southern states, tired of illegal immigrants coming into the country and taking up resources in southern states, are starting to ship 
some of the people to northern states or areas that have been on what the southern states consider their political high horse about accepting refugees and people need help. And they said, well, okay, then you take them. You take them at Martha's Vineyard. You take them in New York City. And now those places are saying we can't handle it. So New York City now is spending taxpayer money to put people on buses to send them to Roxham Road so that they'll come across and be in Canada. So just think about that. To get into the United States one way or another, legally or illegally, in the southern part of the United States, they are then sent up to New York. New York doesn't want them. So they're sending them to Canada through Roxham Road in Quebec. And Quebec, based on what Christine Frechette, the immigration minister in Quebec, has to say, doesn't want them. And you know that some time ago, the prime minister in French, but it got translated and got out, said to the people of Quebec, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, don't worry about it. We're going to send them to Toronto. Southern United States sent up to the northern United States, sent over to Roxham Road in Quebec, sent over to Toronto. Here's my idea. Keep the line moving. Let's send them to Winnipeg. Let's put them on a bus and send them to Winnipeg. You got a problem with that? As I told you yesterday, we have 2,500 such people homeless in Toronto right now. That's part of the enormous pressure on shelters and food banks, et cetera. Um, There's nobody sponsoring those people. Now, 2,500 bus tickets to Winnipeg would be expensive, but a lot cheaper than the continuing expense of housing and food, et cetera. You look puzzled, Nick. Doesn't your brother live in Winnipeg? That was his problem then, not mine. <laughs> that's, that's the whole point. He can look for a solution. Joe, by the way, Joe, you came here from New York. Did I did. The, did the mayor give you a ticket and say, get out? Yes, but he was cheap about it, so I didn't get Greyhound. They gave no. me Megabus. No, you had to take Megabus. Okay, how much is a Megabus ticket to Winnipeg? I should have tried to figure that out before we did the show. But um, is this a bad idea? I know we don't often open up the phone lines this early in the in the day, but uh, I got five minutes here. 416-872-1010, 416-872-1010, and toll-free, 877-518-5151. Um, if, am I wrong? I'm not trying to be cold-hearted here. I just We're talking about people who don't have a right to be here. They may or may not have had a right to be in the United States. Um, Someone sends me a text, a 12-foot-high fence topped with razor wire would stop them. Apparently not. <laughs> Apparently not, based on what happens in the southern United States. But that said, um, what would stop it primarily is just the, the attitude that we're not going to let it happen. It's, it's accommodated at Roxham Road. That's the, and now, but it has been made Toronto's problem. I get a text message. Winnipeg already has a homeless problem. Everybody has a homeless problem. But then it would be Winnipeg's problem and not ours. That's that's my point. Move them on down the line. And then Winnipeg might say, okay, we'll pick up our responsibility here and we'll send them to Vancouver because it's warmer in Vancouver and an easier place to be homeless. And then the people in Vancouver will say, we'll send them to Seattle. And you see how just the problem rotates around? Another text message I received from St. Catharines is this. Canada loves fixing other countries' problems before our own. We'll take care of it. Well, okay. 
Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. I'm Jerry Agar in for John Moore, who's on vacation. He'll be back in a week, a little less than a week, next Monday. Currently, we're at minus one. We're expecting to get up to plus five today. Still kind of cloudy and rainy and that kind of weather, but the snow will start to disappear as a result. But a half an hour from now, I'm going to talk to Brian Lilly from the Toronto Sun. He's done a little research on the trees at Osgood and says uh, the lawyers and a counselor are lying to us all about what's going on there. Also, then, there's great uh, consternation in Moss Park as they've lost some trees. So I have a tree update for you, and then coming up in a few minutes, and then Brian Lilly will explain where he's coming from when he—I mean, it's a pretty big accusation to say that the lawyers and the counselor are lying to us. So we'll see how that goes. But I noted this story in the United States. Air Force security arrested an intruder— At Andrews, they call it Joint Base Andrews, Andrews Air Force Base, I think it used to be called, after a resident discharged a firearm Monday morning. This guy got in, I think it's a guy, got in, so he got through the initial security, like you roll up and you're supposed to, they know who you are, you've got a badge, you've got a reason to be there, you're on a list. Somehow he got in. Then he got through a fence that allowed him to get to some of the aircraft, and he thought they were pretty spiffy, so he got on one. Uh, it's also the the base where they keep the uh, Air Force One and those helicopters you would see that land on the lawn and pick up the president, take him to Air Force One or wherever it is he's going. Um, so he got on, and now there's an investigation. How did he possibly do that? Some slack security going on at an Air Force base we think you couldn't break into. One of the one of the residents in the base. So somebody who worked on the base and lived on the base took a shot at him. <laughs> so you know, two places that you might want to ask yourself if you want to break into would be a military establishment or a police station. But that said, I didn't break into an Air Force base. But years and years ago, I worked at a radio station in Tucson, Arizona. And Tucson, Arizona, is the home of Davis Monthan Air Force Base. And by the way, if you ever go to Tucson. I suggest just take an hour, a couple of hours out of your day and just go over to where the base is and circumnavigate the thing. Just drive along the road outside the fence of Davis Monthan Air Force Base. And here's why. If you have any interest at all in aircraft, there's no humidity in Arizona. At least in Tucson, there isn't. It's very, very dry. It's a dry heat, they always say. So that's where the Air Force stores airplanes. They just park them there. Planes from all kinds of years back. It's an amazing museum of military aircraft. And I don't know, I, probably you can arrange to go in and get a tour. I don't know if they do that, but you, you don't really need to. You can just drive by. Anyway, we were doing a broadcast from there. And we had done a contest. What's the hottest job in Tucson? Not as in, you know, wow, that's a, that's a job. you would. What's the hottest job? A lot of people voted for roofer. It gets like 115 Fahrenheit in Tucson, Arizona. But the roofers start at four in the morning and by noon they're done. They just don't work in the afternoon and you can't blame them. But what, what came up was the, the, the hottest job, the job with the heat, was signaling the Air Force jets on the tarmac when it's, uh, you know, because you got the heat from the sun and then you got the heat from the engine. And it's just so they won and we went over and we were broadcasting from the base and that was all fun. And somebody came over and handed me the bullet 
from the A-10 Warthog, it's called, it's a plane, the A-10 Warthog anti-tank weapon. If you take that bullet and turn it and set it on its end, the end where you, the firing pin would hit it, and set that on the table, the thing is well over a foot tall. That's the bullet. Okay, and somebody handed me one. This is what the war. I've seen video. You can see video if the A-10 Warthog blows up a tank. Just YouTube that sometime. Uh, and, and he handed me the thing, and I said, "Wow, that's really cool." I said, "Yeah." I said, uh, "That's going to look great on my desk." And the general laughed and said, yeah, "Good luck getting that off the base." I not only got it off the base, I got it into Canada. I've got it at home. <laughs> I still have the thing. And you know what? I saw it just the other day because we're, I don't know, I had it packed away or something, and I just came across it. And wouldn't you think, Nick or Joe, that they would have noticed that when they brought it into Canada? Well, it's it's expired, as the term goes. So expired. it expired. Yes. No, it's, but I mean, you know, my understanding is when you bring a bunch of stuff in, they actually um, X-ray your truck when you're going through, and that's where they look. Well, that's suspicious, and I don't know if something blocked it or whatever the deal was. But I've got this more than a foot long weapon. <laughs> but it's the shell, not the bullet itself, right? No, no, it's the whole thing. Oh. Although, actually, if you really if you really investigate it, it's inert. But you wouldn't know that initially. Like, it wouldn't x-ray as inert, I don't think. Yeah, I, I have no idea what, yeah. what they have at the border. It's not an actual live shell, but it was just, uh, it, it, it was, uh, like, it's the actual thing. But they, they took the, the bullet apart from the shell, and they put sand or something in there, and they use it just to show you know, but but it was funny that the that the general said, "Good luck getting that off the base," and I got it off the base and across an international border. Now, did you have any um, desire to get on Air Force One? No. We have footage. We, we actually have tape. Tape of you trying to get on the plane. Oh. Get off my plane. <laughs> That is a great movie scene. <laughs> That's the movie Air Force One, isn't it? Is that the name of the movie? Thanks, Nick. Okay, so uh, upcoming, I'm going to be talking with Brian Lilly uh, of the Toronto Sun, and he's accusing the lawyers who are arguing against cutting down trees at Osgood in favor of a transit stop and uh, city councilor Josh Matlow that they're all lying to us. So he'll make his case coming up. But I'm looking at these stories. Moss Park, for instance, this is from the Toronto Star this morning. And the headline is, I hope lessons will be learned from this. Moss Park mourns the loss of 61 trees cut down by Metrolinx. And actually, the people in Moss Park are also making this some kind of class and race issue as well, saying that they're basically, it seems in this article in the Toronto Star, trying to say that... Um, you know, if the if the neighborhood was full of well-to-do white people, they'd never cut the trees down. Well, that's not what the lawyers over at Osgood think. And I started thinking, okay, like 61 trees, that's a lot. However many it is they plan to cut down over at uh, Osgood. What is the tree situation in Toronto? Like, we're, we're going to freak out for 61 trees in one place, five or six trees in another place. How many trees do we actually have in Toronto? So I looked this up. I found a summary of findings from the city of Toronto on the tree population of the city. 
And here's here's I can read you the entire report uh, that's relevant here. Toronto's canopy cover and total tree population has increased over the last 10 years. This is up to 2018. So they would have done this in 2019 or so. Toronto's canopy cover increased from 26.6% to 28.4% between 08 and 2018. The city's tree population increased to a total of, do you have a number in mind? Can you guess how many trees we have in Toronto? Pop out a number, Nick. Just guess high. 15,000. 11.5 million trees. Ele the city tells us this. Not my number. I didn't go around and count them. 11.5 million trees. But God forbid we cut 61 of them down in Moss Park and four or five of them or whatever it's going to be over at uh, Osgood. Just talk to the branch manager. <laughs> the Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Jerry Agar in for John Moore. He is on vacation and will be back on Monday. Earlier this morning, I was talking about the issue of New York City sending um, people who have come in on refugee status or illegal aliens or whatever their status might be to Canada. They're actually buying them bus tickets. And then Quebec, of course, sends them to Toronto. And I said, send them on to Winnipeg. And some people are writing to me saying, well, I'm being cold hearted because it's so cold in Winnipeg in the wintertime. Careful listeners heard me say, well, then Winnipeg can further them on to Vancouver, where it's warmer. And Vancouver will probably send them to Seattle. <laughs> and, you know, it's just a rotating. These people are going to live on the bus. And back to New York. You know, how do you get to Winnipeg by bus? Didn't uh, Metro or Metro bus or whatever they're called. Mega bus doesn't go to Winnipeg. Doesn't go no. to Winnipeg. Does Greyhound? Because Greyhound shut down on the prairies, I think. I think, yeah, in Canada. So I'm still trying to find a bus ticket from New York to Winnipeg. So do we have to actually hire buses in order to pull this off? Is that what we would have to do? I mean, theoretically, you'd have to go, what, to like Minnesota or North Dakota or something and then leave them at the border and then someone would have to take them over? Oh, tell them, yeah, tell them that we're going to Winnipeg through uh, Minneapolis, which is actually one of the ways you can go rather than going up around Thunder Bay, right? Uh, so you could cut across there and you just say, uh, yeah, actually, uh, what we're doing is we're headed to Winnipeg. And the, you just say this at Niagara, right? Yeah, like we're, we're going to Winnipeg. <laughs> And then, and then you get across the border and you stop and say, everybody off the bus. Wait, can't you use the Alaska exemption? I'm going to Alaska. And then just stay. Oh, the Alaska exemption of going through, uh, well, you have to be in B.C. if you're going to do that, don't you? I, I don't know. That, I, I'm curious about that. Do you, can you only cross into Canada in B.C.? Or can you do it somewhere else and then just still say you're going to Alaska? All right. Like, I'm trying to have some laughs with this and be a little lighthearted in the morning. But the real issue here is that we have 2,500 people already who came across from Roxham Road and uh, the federal government brought them across and uh, didn't have to and then sent them to Toronto. And they are now part of the pressure on our homeless system uh, for shelters and food banks and all of that, all the systems set up to help people who are on the street. And now there will be even more as New York City is buying bus tickets out of New York City up to Roxham Road. In, uh, in Quebec, and then they'll come over to Toronto. So this is a real, actual, urgent problem, as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, there was a real issue behind my only half-joking that if they, can be, if they can be bussed up to New York because the southern states don't want them, and then bussed from New York to Roxham Road because New York doesn't want them, and over to Toronto because Quebec doesn't want them, keep the line moving. I mean, I... 
have some sympathy for people who are living their life on a bus, but uh, <laughs> but they don't have a right to come to Canada. That's where I was coming from. So um, there's a story uh, in the beaches of a sinkhole under a bus. Just all of a sudden, it just opened up. This is like a science fiction movie or horror movie or something. It's like Tremors. And all of a sudden, boom, bus drops into a hole. That's got to be a pretty scary thing. And so far, they're not exactly sure why that happened. Last report that we had, just Karen Cooner said they're still suspecting maybe there's a gas leak or a water leak. or That's apparently what causes these sorts of things. Starts to erode the ground underneath the... Uh, pavement, and then eventually the pavement can't hold it up, and boom. Oh, helpful listener has just texted us. Ontario Northland bus, Toronto to Winnipeg, $336. Okay, times 2,500 people. Yes, that's a lot of money. We could probably get a volume discount, but that's a lot of money. But anyway, um Another one of the stories going on, and we'll talk about coming out through the morning. Um, of course, there's the meeting today of the premiers and the prime minister. The prime minister actually spoke about this. And yesterday, uh, when Thomas Mulcair was on the show, he called it one of the most important meetings that they've ever had, ever had in Ottawa. And it looks as though Trudeau is willing to step up with a lot of money for health care for the provinces. Here's uh, the prime minister. I'm very much looking forward to uh, sitting down with the premiers tomorrow uh, for a working conversation on uh, how we can improve the outcomes for Canadians in health care systems across the country. Um, as I've said many times, we will be there putting more money on the table. Uh, but it's also important to make sure that the focus is on results and outcomes for Canadians, including with uh, better use of health data, uh, more uh, more supports for people uh, where they need them across the country. Uh, so they, uh, this is going to be work that we're going to continue doing uh, over the coming uh, coming weeks, as we recognize that different provinces uh, have different needs and different priorities, and that flexibility is an important part of our system. All right, so coming with more money, he said. I think some of the provinces, from a more extensive report we heard earlier, some of the provinces are a little worried that uh, on, the, on the good hand, you get more support financially from the federal government for the province, get some of your tax money back, so to speak. On the bad hand, the other hand, uh, it may come with a bunch of stipulations, rules, regulations, and orders from the federal government as to how to run health care in your province where health care is a provincial responsibility. So it's going to be interesting to see how this works out. Meanwhile, and I maybe you weren't as surprised by this as I was, I thought we were done with mask mandates everywhere, but apparently not. There was a student protest uh, joined by some of the faculty at Wilfrid Laurier in Waterloo. They held a protest against the school's mask mandate, which for some reason continues. And there's one student there who's making a mockery of the whole thing. Um, I don't think he's mocking anyone who chooses to wear a mask. I hope not, because if you choose to wear a mask, that's your business. Go ahead. But this guy is mocking the mask mandate continuing at the university. So there are photos of him. In one case, he's in full hazmat gear. He's got the mask, the breathing apparatus, and the the goggles and the, the full suit and gloves and uh, and all of that. And in another case, 
he decided that his mask would be a giant lettuce leaf and he cut a couple of holes in so he could see and then an elastic band or something to hold the thing on his face. So <laughs> he's doing a fairly effective job of mocking the last mask mandate in Canada, it would appear. I'm Jerry Yegar in for John Moore on The Breakfast Wrap. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.